Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of the in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, to, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kelsey. So for those of you who are new tonight, uh, maybe you're just in town visiting family. Uh, if so, welcome. And uh, maybe, maybe some of you live in the area and you're looking for a new church. Uh, but so we, we just started as a church two months ago. And so if you are new here, you're in good company either way. And so uh, this is our first Advent series as a church. And so what we're doing is just, it's very simple. We're looking at what did the first Christmas look like through the eyes of Jesus' parents? And so what we did last week is we looked at Christmas through the lens of Joseph when he heard about Jesus being born. And then what we're doing tonight is looking at uh, what was the first Christmas look like for Mary, Jesus' mother, when she found out that she was pregnant with the Son of God. And so this passage is, it's, it's remarkable. And so to, to appreciate, first we're going to set the scene and then we'll, we'll tell you what the main idea of the text is today. So to appreciate like what's going on, so Jesus says something in John 8 that's pretty staggering. He says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And what Jesus is saying is, I mean, going back thousands of years, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esther, Ruth, like all these people throughout history have been looking forward to the day that God was somehow going to save the world. But nobody knew exactly how it was going to happen. And so by Jesus saying, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, he's saying what he was looking forward to and everybody else is me. And so you have this girl, Mary, and she, for those of you who don't know, she was very young. From what we can tell, she was probably only 15. She was like a little teenager. Uh, she lives in a small town. She doesn't live in a big city, so no one really cares about her. No one's expecting big things from her. And she's just going about her day, and an angel shows up. And what does the angel tell her? So the angel says, you're going to conceive a child through the Holy Spirit. He's going to, call, he's going to be called Jesus. Jesus means God who saves. Uh, the angel also tells her that this son, he's going to be given the throne of David, and his kingdom will be forever. So he's going to reign forever. And then also, what does the angel uh, tell her, she says, he's going to be the son of God. So not just like he'll resemble God or he'll have character traits like God. The son of God, meaning the d very divine nature of God himself is in your womb. And you, this is the baby that you have and who's going to be born. And so you put all these things together and what you have is the angel is telling Mary, I mean, how God is going to save the world by becoming a man, coming to uh, pay for our sins. And so what, what a number of people have pointed out, and I agree with them, is it's, 
it's reasonable to say Mary was the first Christian. Like, she was the first person to hear the gospel in the form that we have it today. It's amazing. And so we can learn a lot by how this unwed, pregnant teenager a response to the gospel, to the gospel uh, when she hears it for the first time. And so the main thing we're going to see today is that intimacy with God comes through vulnerability with God. That, that's the main idea. Intimacy with God comes through vulnerability with God. And we're going to look at two ways that Mary was vulnerable, and so that will help us be vulnerable with God and us develop greater intimacy with him. Okay, so first we see that uh, to be vulnerable with God, it means coming to him with your doubts. And then number two, going to him with surrender. So going to God with your doubts and going to God with surrender is a regular practice that we need to do uh, if we want greater intimacy with God. Okay, so first, number one, uh, being vulnerable with God, it it means going to him with your doubts. Okay, so this angel shows up, Gabriel, to give Mary uh, the news, right, that she's pregnant with Jesus, the son of God. And so the, the scriptures tell us that there's multitudes of angels, like they're basically innumerable, and but we're, only two of them are named. So you have Michael and Gabriel. So Michael, you can think of as, he's kind of like the, the King Theoden from Lord of the Rings, like he shows up leading armies to push back the forces of darkness. That, that's Michael. And then Gabriel, he's your Amazon same-day delivery guy, okay, or he's your priority mail guy. It's like, okay, a message needs to go, he goes, sends the message. So that's why it's, it's Gabriel showing up to tell Mary this message. And so... What, do you, what does he tell her? He says, you're going to conceive, bear a child, would be called Jesus, he's the son of God, etc. And what's key to see here is how does Mary respond? Okay, like when the angel shows up, how does Mary respond? Does she go, oh my goodness, an angel, like I've, I've been waiting for you. And oh yeah, of course I'm going to experience a virgin birth. No, that's not what she says. So how does she respond? First, It says in verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So that that phrase, tried to discern, that means she's she's weighing it, she's pondering it, she's being intensely rational. She's like, this doesn't make sense. And then after the angel says that she's going to conceive and bear a son, she goes, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Right? Like, she, she hasn't been intimate with Joseph. She hasn't been intimate with any man. So she's like... How, how am I going to have a baby? She's like, this is crazy. Okay, you don't just see her accepting this news, right, with blind credulity, right? She, she's doubting. And so what we see here, first we'll, we'll just look at a principle, and then we'll look at an application here when it comes to doubt. So the principle here is the scriptures give us a very helpful and nuanced approach to doubt. Okay, because in our climate, you, you have two main approaches to doubt. So doubt is either often seen as a virtue or doubt is seen as something to be avoided at all costs. So in more academic circles, in a lot of cities, uh, you have people who, who uphold, or in, in, a lot, in a lot of non-religious circles, doubt is a virtue. So like to, to always question, to always be skeptical, it's a sign of maturity, it's a sign of sophistication. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, like if you want to be religious and you know, just have some blind faith, that's fine, but I'm a rational person, and so I, wa- I only want to believe what I have evidence for. So that's one approach to doubt. I just saw a Twitter handle this past week, and his main, whatever it's called underneath there, uh, <laughs> I'm not really on social media very much, but it, but, it was, but it was an account, and like, you know, under his username, it was just doubt is a virtue, like that was his tagline. And then, but on the other hand, you have, and this often happens in very traditional circles and very religious circles, so doubt is to be avoided at all costs. So you're a teenager, 
and you know you're in the church and so you approach your youth pastor or you approach your parent and you're like you know well the bible says this but i'm seeing this in the real world and how do you reconcile the two and the response is often something like you know now sally we don't ask questions like that you know just have faith just have blind faith you know it, it can even be seen as being disobedient or a sign of weak faith if you doubt but that's not what we see here in this case with, with Mary. And so this is actually, this is a great case study of how to approach doubt with God and in your community. Uh, when you look at Luke 1, because so if actually you rewind a little bit in Luke chapter 1, same chapter, same angel, Gabriel. He shows up to a guy named Zachariah who's a priest. And he tells Zachariah, who's very old and his wife is old, you and your wife are going to bear a child. It's going to be John the Baptist. And Zachariah responds with, well, how, how do I know this? Because I'm super old, my wife's super old, like she's barren, we can't have children. And what Gabriel does is he puts Zachariah in timeout. Like he says, you're going to be mute for nine months, you're not going to be able to speak. I'm literally putting you in adult timeout for nine months until Zachariah is born, and then you'll be able to speak again. And then six months later, same angel, very similar message. He shows up to Mary, you're going to conceive, you know, impossible odds. And she's like, how can this be? And Gabriel goes, oh, well, that's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked. And then he goes on to explain it. It's like, what's going on? You know, was Gabriel having a bad day the first time he showed up to Zechariah? And no, so is, what we see here is God is showing us um, there's two different kinds of doubts. And Zechariah was displaying one as much as we can tell, and Mary's displaying another. And it's the difference between dishonest doubts and honest doubts. Or it's the difference between arrogant doubt and humble doubt. It's, it's a big difference. So arrogant doubt or dishonest doubt says it's, it's a, you're skeptical, but all it is, it's a way to keep yourself inside of a cocoon so that you don't have to relinquish control of your life. Or it's a way just to like be seen as smart in your social circles. Um, it's just a way to keep the truth at bay because if you ask questions and you're confronted with an answer that you can't deny, you're going to have to change how you're living. Right, so that's dishonest doubt. It can actually be quite cowardly. But then what you have is honest doubt, and that's what Mary's displaying. And what, what honest doubt does, what, what humble doubt does, is it, it has the courage to be vulnerable and to say, I don't know all things, so I'm just going to ask questions like, God, can you please, can you please help me? Can you please show me? Or going to people in your community asking the same thing. And... And that's the type of doubt that Mary's displaying here. It's a humble, vulnerable doubt. This is, this is so important to see. Um, and so just an application here. So first, if uh, we always hope that there are people here who don't know Jesus and are checking things out. And so maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're here because a friend or family member dragged you for Christmas. Or maybe you're just checking out who Jesus is. And so the challenge that this text is laying to you with respect to doubt is just... Be honest and ask yourself, am I rejecting the claim of who Jesus is because of pure, unbiased inquiry, which, by the way, is impossible. I mean, none of us are unbiased. Or could I be rejecting who Jesus is, that he's Lord and Savior, and died and rose for my sins, because if I allow myself to be vulnerable, I'm going to have to relinquish control of my life. I mean, the human heart, every one of us, we have so many defense mechanisms to like hold on to control of our life. So just, just a challenge, you just ask yourself, like, do I not believe 
just because of unbiased rational inquiry or like is there a part of me that is afraid this might be true and then I'd have to change my life. This is just something to consider. And for those of you who, who are believers, it is so comforting and encouraging to see how God responds to Mary in her doubt. Is it not? Like, when you see how the angel responds to, to Mary, like, what, this, what God is telling you in this text is doubting, like, coming to God in vulnerable, humble doubt, it's not a sin and it's not a sign of unfaithfulness. Hear that again. Coming to God with your doubts, it's not a sin, and it's not a sign of unfaithfulness. Like, just even as your pastor, being honest, it, it gave me so much comfort this week to, to read this, because there are weeks where I'm like, God, this music stand feels more real to me than you. Like, can you, can you help me here? And I have to go preach on Sunday, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, and just, like, reading this just gave me a, I don't know, it was just, it was amazing, and so... I don't know, maybe you're in a position where you're doubting currently. Uh, if not, it'll probably come at a point in the future. I've talked with a number of you, actually, who have um, at some point have said, like, isn't this just kind of crazy? Like, this whole idea about God and, you know, came, lived, and died and rose for us. And yes, it is crazy. And if you never come to that realization, then you probably haven't really examined the scriptures close enough. But so, just, so, so an application for you is, do you regularly go to God with your doubts? Because what it is, it's a sign of being vulnerable and it's a sign of trust. To go to God and say, okay, you say in the scriptures that you're all I need, but it doesn't feel like it. Or God, you know, somebody asked me this really hard question about how can I trust the scriptures or how can I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And I don't know the answer. Like, can you help me here? Or God, okay, this person that I love deeply who's so humble, who's, who's so kind, doesn't believe in you. Why aren't you opening their eyes? God invites you to go to him and ask him those questions. Like, he really does. Do you, even, do you even know what some of your doubts are? And what's so beautiful is in this passage, when, when Mary is vulnerable and doubts, expresses her doubt, the angel ends up responding with one of the sweetest promises in Scripture. Nothing will be impossible with God. And that is a diamond to hold on to. And it's because Mary was willing to express her doubt that we have that promise in Scripture. So bring your doubts to God. It's, it's one of the most powerful ways you can become intimate with him in a way that can't happen anywhere else. Okay, so that's number one, bring, bring your doubts to God. Number two is go to God and surrender. Okay, go to God and surrender. And so after the angel answers her question and uh, he explains what's going to happen. Mary says in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's a scary thing to tell God. Like, what she's saying is, okay, like, I, I'm willing to go forward with this even though I don't have the answers. And by Mary doing this, her life was immensely disrupted, was it not? So we talked about this a little bit last week, but with, in the account with Joseph. But so she's, she's not married, and she's pregnant. Okay, so everybody in her town, you know how small towns are, they're all going to know she's pregnant, and they know she was engaged to Joseph, but they hadn't been married yet. They shouldn't have been sleeping together. 
It's like they're not going to believe her. When she's like, oh, no, I can explain, like, an angel appeared to me, and it's through the Holy Spirit that I'm pregnant. No, so forever, I mean, at best, she's going to be looked at with disgrace. And then even imagine raising the Son of God, like how com- complicated that would be. Like raising Jesus, we could talk about this for an hour, but even just think about, you know, like as, as he's getting older, all, you know, his, the parents of his friends going to him and be like, Mary, you know, Jesus is going on about being God himself again. And at first it was cute, but he hasn't, he hasn't let it go and he keeps going. She's like, yeah, well, Gabriel told me the same thing. Like, okay, Mary, you're back on that angel kick again. Okay, so like just imagine raising Jesus Christ. Let alone the fact that she had to see him yanked away from her arms at the end of his life. She was there for that. I mean, that was what Mary was inviting into her life when she said, let it be to me according to your word. She just came in surrender. And how, why I think how everybody comes to God It's always with some form of condition, even if it's not conscious. So God, I'll, I'll follow you as long as I don't have to do this. Or I'll believe in you as long as I don't have to believe that. Okay, where you, like, you do some cost-benefit analysis, and then, okay, if the benefits outweighs the cost, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to follow God. But that's not treating him as Lord. It's treating him as your butler. And to just look at Mary and how she, she comes to him with, with complete surrender. And it's because that Mary did this, just stepped out, and trust that 2,000 years later, we know who she is, and she's an incredible model to us about what it means to follow God. And so, so some applications here when it comes to just going before God in complete surrender. Uh, so two, two groups of people. So first, there's, I know there's a few of you in here who, um, like, you just started following Jesus in the past year, and that, that's an amazing thing. And what I've heard from you guys as I've, as I've talked with you is something to do, like, you know, it comes out a couple different ways, but something along the lines of, this is, this is scary. Like, this is, this is so much change that's happening, and I don't know all the answers, and it's requiring vulnerability, and I, I can't, you know, the, the path ahead seems kind of foggy to me, and I'm, I'm nervous. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And so the encouragement that you should receive from this passage is you are in great company, you really are, because you're in exactly the same position that, that Mary was in. Mary, Jesus' own mother. And in fact, when you look at, like, all the greats in Scripture, every single time, they did not have all the answers that they wanted when they started following Jesus or when they started following God. They just took a posture of humble surrender and said, okay, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to trust you and, and, and follow you. And so when you do that, I mean, you're walking in paths of wonderful people in front of you, and it, it is enough of a foothold to anchor you as you move forward. And so I just want you to be encouraged okay, as, you, as you look at Mary and what she did, and so, like, you're walking in amazing shoes when, when you do that. So that's the first thing. Just you don't, No one knows all the... I'm still learning things, okay? You, you never have all the answers when you first start off. So that should be incredibly encouraging. And so for the, the second group is for those of you who have been following Jesus for, for a long time. And the question to you is, where in, you, where in your life are you, are you still holding on? Okay, like, where are you not being like Mary and saying, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you even know the areas that you're still holding the reins tightly on? 
mean, I just, I got on my knees in prayer this week and was just asking God to show me, like, where am I still trying to keep control? Where have I surrendered to you? And I, it was hard, but I was amazed at the, the stuff that came out. And so just an encouragement to you is just to, this Christmas week, as we celebrate the incarnation, to just go before God and ask him to show you, like, where are you not surrendering? And then ask him to, to give you the courage, even though it is scary, just to look at him and say, even if, you know, you're filled with trepidation, and just say, okay, like, God, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. That's one of the only ways that you can develop intimacy with God. And so as we, as we wrap this up, just something that's really important to consider is so just this idea of being vulnerable, right? It's, it's scary. And I know I've, I've talked with a lot of you who have just told me about times you've been vulnerable with people in the past and it hasn't gone well. And so, you know, for, for better or worse, you just adapt a, a posture of wanting to, you know, not put yourself out there because when you do, you can, you can be hurt, right? And there are times and places where, where it's appropriate to do that. And whether that's you or not, I mean, for all of us in here, our default approach to God is to keep some of our cards close to our chest because we are worried, God, if I'm just putting myself completely out there, if I come to you with my doubts, if I come to you with surrender, like, how do I know that my life isn't going to go poorly? And so, like, just something you need to know that, that's so helpful is, first, just knowing that no intimate relationship is possible without vulnerability. It's just a fact. Like, folks I talk to, they may say something like, so I, I think I want to marry this person, but I want to make sure they won't hurt me before I marry them. That makes sense. But the answer to that, and it's like, should I get married? Well, the answer is don't get married. Because the only way to make certain that you'll never be hurt is to not be vulnerable with anybody. Right? Because intimacy only comes through vulnerability. And so binding your heart to someone to where they have the keys or they have the ability to hurt you. It's the only way to develop intimacy, whether it's in a deep friendship or, or with a love partner. And so when it, when it comes to God, what's amazing, when, when Gabriel says that the most high is going to become a baby, what Gabriel is saying is, of all the gods, it's only the God of the Bible who's willing to become vulnerable. Right? I mean, how much more vulnerable can you be than a baby? Like, God so loves you that he's willing to bind his heart to you in a way that, that he can be broken and in a way that leaves him open to be overpowered. And he was. And he was. There, there has never been a bond of love so intense as the one God the Father had with the eternal Son. And it was that bond of love that was painfully snapped when Jesus Christ was on the cross. Why? To pay for your sins. Why? Because God loves you, because he pursues you, because he has bound his heart to you in such a way that he was willing to be hurt. And so no matter what he is calling you to do, you can know that God will never ask you to be vulnerable for him in a way that he had to be vulnerable for you. He won't. It's when you look at Christ that, that, you, that you know you can trust him. Because Christmas happened. So go to God with your doubts. Go to God with surrender. And as you do so, just keep, 
stand in awe and wonder as you develop more intimacy with him. So let's do that together this Christmas as we celebrate the incarnation. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for coming to earth to become a baby and to open yourself up to be hurt, uh, to be torn, um, so that we can be saved. Reveal in our own hearts where we aren't coming to you with our doubts, where we aren't coming to you in surrender, and help us to do so. Help us to find a place of sweet, joyous freedom as we do so. And for anyone here who doesn't know you, uh, I ask that they will see you in a new light tonight and place their hope in you. Uh, Be with us this Christmas as we rejoice in the incarnation. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.